Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our sermon series from 1 Samuel, A Personal God. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, take your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 18, and then also find your place in Psalm 34. All right, 1 Samuel 18 and Psalm 34. And uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover today, and uh, I hope that, I hope you'll dial in if you're with us, of course, in person, if you're online. I hope you'll put aside any uh, um, distractions and just tune in, because I think the, uh, the message this morning, I really think it has potential to help every one of us this week, and um, I hope it's going to, I hope it, it'll be something that'll help us even in uh, more days to come, in the weeks to come, understanding that God often gives us, and really all the time, he gives us just what we need. How many of you have heard that phrase before, that was just what I needed? You've heard that before? Uh, maybe it was right after, or maybe you've even said that. Uh, I know maybe you might be getting done on a, on a, a work day. You've been outside. It's a, a really hot day. You've mowed the lawn. You've uh, raked up the grass. You've blown the uh, driveway off. Maybe you, I don't know, you painted your house. I don't know. You, you did some work in a day, and you got inside. And right when you got in there, maybe uh, it was just a nice cold glass of ice water, or maybe you're an iced tea drinker, or maybe it was an iced coffee, and, and you take one sip, and you go, oh, man, that was just what I needed. Oh, that was, that was so good. That was exactly what I needed. Uh, perhaps it was when you got up this morning, and you just didn't feel like going. You ever had a morning like that? When you wake up and you're like, I want to sleep five more hours or 10 more hours, and what do you do? You get up, and if you're a coffee drinker, you go over and you get a cup of coffee, take a sip of that coffee, and you go, yeah, it's just what I needed. Now, if it's caffeine-free, it's not just what you needed. Uh, perhaps it was maybe a, a time you had a, a freshly baked chocolate chip cookie. You know, the kind that you can taste the sugar and the salt, just the perfect match. You take a bite of it. A chocolate, chip, a chocolate chip cookie is always just what you need. In the morning, at night, in valleys, that's God's grace right there, is chocolate chip cookies. Listen, we all have been there where we've had a situation where something came into our lives and we said, man, that was just what I needed. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to come back into our study of a personal God, studying out the book of 1 Samuel, and we're going to see today that God, he gives us just what we need, and he gives it to us often even before we know we need it. If you've been with us on our study, then you'll know uh, we've gone through a lot. We've experienced a lot. We've met a number of people. One of the very first folks that we met was a man by the name of Samuel. Samuel was a prophet for the people of Israel. If you'll recall, his mom, Hannah, dedicated him to the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2, it tells us much about this man, Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 3 tells us about the impact of his ministry. Remember what it says there about Samuel where it says that God let none of his words fall to the ground, basically saying that every word that Samuel Samuel spoke, God used it to impact the lives of people. That was this man, Samuel. He would be the last of the judges. God would bring him on the scene to really help encourage the people of God back to, back to God. And uh, Samuel was a great leader for the nation of Israel up until 
1 Samuel chapter 8 and chapter number 9. Because what took place there is the people demanded a king. Hey, we want a king just like every other nation. And they got ahead a of God in their decisions. And what we met, or the next person we met then was that next king, Saul. The very first king of the people of Israel. Samuel would anoint Saul. Saul would become that first leader. And the Bible tells us that he was doing a good job. As a matter of fact, God actually appointed him, and, and the truth is still there that God sets up one leader and takes down another, and so we can always know that God is in control of that type of stuff, and so God was in control of it there with the people of Israel. He set up Saul. He brought Saul on, on as the king because he was the right man for the job at the time. If you go back and we research a little bit about Saul, I don't know why this is going right here. We'll just stay there. Uh, Things are moving. When, if you go back to, uh, to Saul, then you'll remember that Saul, he was humble. Saul was one that he loved the Lord. Saul was one that he knew what, what God wanted in his life. And so he pursued God and continued forward for God. But then he allowed a little word to creep into his life. That little word was the word pride. And pride came in and caused Saul to put himself first rather than what God wanted. And because of Saul's pride, we saw in 1 Samuel chapter 11, chapter 13, and chapter number 14 how Saul's pride ruined his relationships. Saul's pride ruined the impact that he was having on people. Saul's pride, it, it really ruined God's hand being upon him. And we need to know that pride does the same thing in your life and mine. When we allow pride to set in, we can begin to watch things go downhill. Pride ruins things. And in Saul's life, pride ruined his ability and his chance and his opportunity that God had set in front of him to lead the people of God. Because of this, God came to Samuel and said, Samuel, I rejected Saul. I want you to anoint a new king. Well, who do I go to? Well, I want you to go to Jesse. Samuel, go to Jesse and call Jesse out to a sacrifice. And when you get there, uh, I'll show you who to anoint. Samuel goes to Bethlehem and he uh, uh, is there with Jesse and the, the whole city's out for sacrifice. And God says, bring Jesse's sons before you. And uh, Eliab, the first comes. And then it goes from Eliab all the way down, seven sons. And every one of them, God says, no, that's not him. No, that's not him. No, that's not him. All the way down to the last one. And Je uh, Samuel turns to Jesse and says, do you have any more sons? He he says, yeah, but he's just a youth. He's just the youngest. He's out in the, sh in the, in the uh, uh, shepherd's fields. He's just out there. His name's David. He said, we'll call him in. And David comes in, and God says, anoint him. It was really an unlikely person, but he's that, the next person we meet. We go from Samuel to Saul to David. David is one that if you go and you learn about David, you find that he was a young man who God was with, and in appearance from the outside looking in, most would say, well, David wouldn't be the selection. David wouldn't be the first choice, and, and from the outside looking in, we would be right, but remember, we learn that God doesn't see things how we see it. You see, we, a mankind, we often look on appearance. God looks on character. God looks on the heart. Aren't you thankful that God cares about your motives? And God cares, listen, God cares about why you're in church. Oh, sometimes we have this persona of, well, I'm here and I'm, I have my Bible and I look at me, I'm all dressed sharp today. And we have this idea that the outward matters a lot. Now, does the outward matter? Yeah, it does. But God always is looking on the heart. 
He is always judging our motives. God is always saying, hey, why do you do what you do? And we know with David, God said, hey, I'm gonna look, and this is a man who is a, a man after my own heart. He's going to continually seek after me. Last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago, we found out that David was one that God would use in a mighty way. As a matter of fact, we looked as to why God would use David. And just in those early chapters, we saw a few reasons. We saw David was surrendered. He said, God, whatever you want. David was faithful. He served God wherever he was. David was jealous. We saw him standing up and saying, hey, is there not a cause? Someone needs to stand up for the name of the Lord. David was confident. Remember, hey, I'm not going to come to you with a sword and a spear. I come to you, Goliath, in the name of the Lord. And uh, then we saw that David was intentional. He intentionally glorified God. And so really, you and I, we could look, and David is the right man for the job. And we're going to see that that theme continues. And we saw in David some of David's earliest days that he faced probably some of his hardest battles. Last or two weeks ago when we saw it, we saw Goliath fall. Everybody's heard about David and Goliath. And many people, if you ask them, hey, what was David's hardest battle? You know what most people would say? David and Goliath. But I want to present to you today a thought that the battle didn't stop when Goliath tumbled to the ground. As a matter of fact, the, the battle for David, it, it really was just starting. But before the battle, before David's trial, before his struggle, God's going to bring some things into his life to give David just what he needed. And so I hope the message will be a help to us this morning. Let's start 1 Samuel chapter 18. Stand with me if you would. 1 Samuel chapter 18. And we're going to read just the first nine verses. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Guys, I don't know what's going on with the slides, but they're just wigging out. So, Micah, can you jump back there, or Brian? 1 Samuel chapter 18, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. It says this, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And, and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul went him, and he behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, uh, with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? Notice verse 9. And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. Saul eyed David from that day and forward. Again, today we're going to see... David entering into a time of his life when he's going to face the longest battle that he would have during his early years. 
But what we're going to tell is that when David was going into battle, God gave him just what he needed. And I think it'll be a help. Let's pray and we get right in the message. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a minute and just ask the Lord to speak to you. You can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to my heart. God, give me what I need today. And then make a commitment. God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you. I want to respond to you. Dear Lord, we come before you. We again thank you for your love and your care. And we thank you for how you are going to work in our lives. God, I pray this morning that you would speak to each one of us, whether we're here in person or online. Father, I pray that you would use the word of God to speak into our hearts and to give us the the truth that you want us to understand today. Lord, the idea that when we come to battles and trials, if we just look around, often you've given us exactly what we've needed. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with my tongue, be with my words, my actions. Lord, I just humble my heart to you and ask you that you'd speak through me into each of our lives today. We love you. We ask you to speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. This morning, we're going to cover 1 Samuel 18, 19, and and chapter 20. Uh, And before we really kind of get into it, we're going to spend the majority of our time in chapter 18, but I really want us uh, just to kind of know what's going on. And so before we really get into chapter 18, let me just explain chapters 18, 19, and 20, just give us a synopsis of what takes place. If you move into chapter number 18 out of 1 Samuel 17, you find uh, David coming off of the victory over Goliath. Because of this, Saul would promote David into a position of being a general over the armies. There's just this young man, probably uh, 17 to 21 years old, this young David would become uh, a general, a leader in the armies of Saul. Because of this, because of David's heart and because of uh, David's desire to please the Lord, what we find is that God would actually bring Jonathan into David's life. And the word of God uses the phrase that it knit their heart, God knit their hearts together. And Jonathan and David, they become best friends. And uh, as you look at it, You find them and their friendship growing, but when they get back from war, there's the people that meet Saul, David, they meet them all, and they're singing this song. There's two verses to the song. Now, I don't know the tune. You can ask Brian later. He might know the tune. Uh, But the verses to the song, the first verse is, Saul has slain his thousands. The second verse is, David, he's slain ten thousands. By the way, we'll see it in a second, neither one of those things are true, okay? Well, Saul, he gets all up in arms about it. He becomes jealous, and from that day forward, verse number nine, where we read, Saul eyes David. That means he tries to kill him. You go and you read chapter number 18, uh, Saul would try to kill David at least twice in chapter number 18. He plots, da- plots to kill David many times. Uh, one of the times he plots to kill him is by trying to set him up. Hey, I'll let you marry my son, or marry my son, marry my daughter. I'll let you marry my daughter, uh, I said son, because her name is Michael, M-I-C-H-A-L. Uh, Anyway, uh, he says, I'll let you marry my daughter, but first you have to go kill 200 Philistines. He's trying to get him killed. Well, David does that, comes back, and he marries Michael. He marries uh, the daughter of Saul. 
Well, chapter 19, uh, Jonathan kind of comes on the scene and, and brings a little bit of peace between Saul and David. And in the middle, uh, the first middle part of, of chapter number 19, you find that David and Saul, the, it seems that the relationship is restored and, and uh, it's mended for a little season, but... Saul's rage comes into his life again, and he tries to kill David again. Michael, David's wife, would uh, then uh, help David escape out of the hand of Saul, and uh, Saul would come in to try to even kill David in his sleep. I mean, this is how much Saul hated David. David would flee. He would leave the scene. Chapter number 20, him and Jonathan would come up with a scenario. You see, it was a feast time, and David was supposed to be at dinner at the table with Saul, and there would be multiple days where they would eat at the same time together, and David is gone. He's missing from the meal, and David and Jonathan had come up with this thing that David would be gone from the meal, and Jonathan would say, no, uh, Dad, I'm sorry, David's not here. He's requested to be with his family during this time, And, and they came up with this scenario that if Saul was really mad... Then Jonathan would shoot arrows in a certain place, and David would find out, no, hey, I can't come back in. But if Saul really wasn't mad, then he would shoot him in another certain place, and David would know. And there's this whole theme, this whole, or this whole a scenario that they come up with. Well, Jonathan goes to Saul at this dinner, and everything happens like they had planned. And come to find out, they know that Saul still is out to kill David. So Jonathan goes out to the field and he shoots these arrows in a certain place where David would know my life truly is in danger. David would come back up, meet Jonathan, the two best friends. They would, they would hug. They'd spend a few minutes together and they both were encouraging each other in the Lord. You can go and, and read 18, 19, and 20. It's amazing. Their relationship, their friendship they had solely based upon the commonality of God. And you can look that they encourage each other and then David would, would run and he would begin running for his life from Saul. Chapters 18, 19, and 20. David would actually run from Saul for the next five to seven years. He would be running from Saul because of the pursuit of Saul's jealousy and Saul's rage. But what I want to see this morning is that before all of that, I mean, I don't know about you, does that sound like that'd be a little bit of a struggling time for David? That'd be a little bit of a battle. I mean, here you are promoted to a general, and then all of a sudden you're demoted and uh, you're wanted by the king, and and you're going to be the one who's fleeing for your life. Five to seven, eight years, some even think as long as 10 years, that David would be running for his life. But before this trial, before the battle, I want want us to see today, God gave him exactly what he would need through the battle. I'll notice, first of all, this morning, what we're calling an undeserved acceptance. An undeserved acceptance. As our story begins in 1 Samuel chapter number 18, we notice what's taking place in verse 5 through verse number 7. The Bible tells us that David becomes promoted and begins to be accepted in the sight of all the people. Notice what it says. David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people. I want to stop right there. Here's what's taking place. Again, David, he's just 17 to 20 years old, 21 maybe, and he's one now. He's a general. He's one over uh, uh, the leading many, many men of the military, and you can think about it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know too many 17, 18, or 19-year-olds that I'm making a general, that I'm putting in charge of war, and yet you find uh, Saul setting David up. But the word that I find interesting 
is the word accepted that you see in verse number seven. Do you see it there that Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people? Do you see that this morning? He was accepted in the sight of all the people. He's promoted to position of general, this prominent position, and yet the Bible tells us that all the people accept it. All the people accept it. All the people are looking. They're saying, wow, he's a good guy. They're looking and they're saying uh, the word accepted, it means soundly entreated. They show great favor and kindness. Oh man, this guy, David, he's an incredible, valiant man. Yes, we want him to be our general at 18 years old, at 20 years old. Yeah, we want him to be our leader. If you look at this, uh, speaking on, on the, uh, uh, from the eyes of man, this would be an undeserved acceptance. What has he done, really? What has he done to prove, other than killing Goliath, I mean, one giant. Now, you look and I, I mean, we'd say, well, that's just a great feat. Okay, but compared to the, uh, some of the other warriors who had been in battle, compared to even Jonathan. Remember chapter number 14? Jonathan went and slew hundreds of Philistines within the span of a half of a football field. I would say that this is an undeserved acceptance. And yet we find David, he's, he's promoted. We find that the people actually love him so much, they write that song. Saul slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. What's interesting is both of those songs, both of those verses are just hyperbole, just an exaggerated statement. It's just a little folk song that just kind of people are singing. It wasn't true. Had Saul slain thousands? No. Saul was the one that, uh, if you look, he was cowering at the beginning of chapter number 17. Saul was the one in chapter 14. Jonathan went up to battle. Saul didn't. Had Saul slain thousands? No. Had David slain ten thousands? No. Not at all. This song, it shows us, though, the acceptance that the people had for David. He was promoted and he was accepted. Now, some of us, we would look at this and we would say, I wonder why was he promoted? Why was he accepted in such a great way? I'm glad you asked because the Bible tells us it's in the wording that he behaved himself wisely. He behaved wisely. As a matter of fact, if you were to go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5, verse 14, verse 15, and verse number 30, all of them speak about the wise behavior of David. Verse 5 says that he behaved himself wisely. Verse 14, that he behaved himself wisely. Verse 15, that he behaved himself very wisely. Verse number 30, that he behaved himself more wisely. He behaved himself wisely. That means that he made good and right choices. And can I tell you this morning that one of the reasons that David was promoted and so widely accepted is because he made good and right choices. He, uh, he, he allowed God to build up that characteristic within him, the characteristic of wisdom, and God blessed that. And real quick, I just want to iterate this morning the truth that uh, some of us may have it on our minds sometimes. You know, God won't use me like he did David. Boy, God couldn't work through me like he does David. I mean, he pins psalms, and God uses him to lead people, and he made a difference. God couldn't use me like that. But when you look down at the core, why did God use David? I believe it's because, number one, of his love for God. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. 
But I think it's because he allowed the character traits of God to be installed into his life. He stayed humble. He stayed faithful. Now, was David perfect? Oh, no. No, he wasn't perfect. David made some mistakes. The Bible is very clear to open up some of the sins of David. But David was a man who continually sought God, and he had that character trait of humility and wisdom. And I want us to understand that God used David because David availed himself for God to use him. You know, sometimes why you're not used and why I'm not used is because we don't avail ourselves to God for God to use us. We don't say, here am I, God, use me. All right, now I'll walk in wisdom. Okay, I'm going to walk hum- humbly. Okay, God, I'm going to live for you today. No, we want to say, here I am, God, but I'm going to do it on my terms. David didn't do that. He said, here I am, God. I'm surrendered. I'll be faithful. I'll be jealous for you. I'll be confident with you. I'll be humble before you. And God, I'll be wise for you. I love the character traits that we see of David. He's promoted. He's accepted because of his character. I wonder this morning, how's your character? I wonder the root of who you are. I wonder if you've been behaving yourself wisely, walking with the Lord, desiring to have that relationship with him, or if it's been, here am I, God, but on my terms. I hope this morning that we would We would understand that it's about the Lord working in us. It's God, excuse me, it's God working in us before God can work through us. And that's a very simple truth. It's God working in us before he can work through us. And God was working in David. Remember what it says about David, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 17. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, talking about David, that is cunning and plain, a mighty valiant man, a man of war and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. And I look at this, David's character was evident in his life. God was working in him. And in man's, in man's approach, though, this would be an undeserved acceptance. Why did David deserve to be promoted and to be a leader and now to be accepted by all the people? It's because David's character, his heart, was right with God. I see today, first, an undeserved acceptance. Notice, secondly, with me then, an unexpected battle. An unexpected battle. As I stated a few minutes ago, the, the battle does not end in 1 Samuel chapter number 17 with Goliath. As we turn to chapters 18, 19, and 20, one would think the battle is over. David's promoted. Things are looking good. And someone reading this could easily think, well, that's that. Goliath's dead. He's a general. Life is good. But for David, the battle was really just beginning. Well, what battle? The battle against Saul. The battle of Saul chasing him. Again, verse number nine. We won't read all of these, but verse nine, Saul eyed David from that day forward. Saul eyed David from that day forward. We're actually given reasons as to why this battle began. I mean, many people, we would think, uh, why does Saul hate David so much? I mean, here's this silly song, this folk song that they're singing, this exaggerated song. Does that cause Saul to hate David? I think it's one of the reasons, but what we're going to discover very quickly is that from chapter 18 all the way to chapter number 26, Saul would try and kill David, and he would stop at nothing to pursue him over and over and over again. And this was a battle, though, that David wasn't expecting. I mean, would you expect the person that promoted you, the person who helped you find acceptance among all the people, the person who said, hey, use my sword and my shield, would you expect your king to begin to try to kill you? Man, I wouldn't expect that. 
That's an unexpected battle. Here's a man who had given him a position of leadership, a man who would become his father-in-law, a man uh, who, who God would use to even help David during his early years to understand leadership. This is definitely an unexpected battle, but why did it take place? I want us to remember what we saw a little bit ago or a few weeks ago when we looked at Saul's pride. I believe that at the root of Saul's anger against David is his pride, his arrogance, Saul's pride that says me first. And this, this pride, though, it shows up through a word that we're going to call what we're looking at is called insecurities. Saul's pride shows up in his insecurities. And because of Saul being insecure, because of Saul having this pride of, uh, of, uh, and, and showing up in the characteristic of insecurity, he becomes jealous and he becomes angry and Saul becomes uh, one who's against David from that day forward. Let me show you a little bit about the heart of Saul. Take your Bible, if you will. We're just going to skim through. I'm going to see some verses. Notice what the Bible says. We saw a second ago, David behaved himself, excuse me, <coughs> David behaves himself very wisely. Notice how Saul behaves himself. Chapter 18, verse number 8. 18.8. Saul was very wroth. Saul's anger shows up. Verse number 9, he eyed David. He's against David. Verse number 11, he casts a javelin at David. Verse number 12, the Bible says Saul was afraid of David. Notice why. Because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Verse number 13, he tries to remove David. Verse 15 says that he's afraid of David. Verse 17, he tries to uh, connive and get David to fall into the hands of the Philistines. Verse 21, trying to get the hands of the Philistines upon him. And verse number 25. Verse 29, it says that he is yet the more afraid of David. And notice why in verse number 29. Verse number 28, it says that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, and Saul was yet the more afraid of David. And Saul became David's enemy continually. You see what happened? Saul allowed his pride to come in, and he allowed every good thing that was happening in David's life to become a cause of his jealousy. He was insecure. He was one who was intimidated by David. Let me show you a few things about Saul's insecurity this morning. First off, Saul's insecurity it was tied to the lack of relationship that he had with the Lord. Verse number 12, he's, he's scared. I'm very afraid of him. Why? Because the Lord was with him and not with me. Saul knew it. Saul knew that the Lord had departed from him, and we won't talk about that. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago, but Saul knew that he was, he was literally, Saul was rejecting the leadership of God in his life, and he knew that David was accepting the leadership of God, and so Saul's insecurity, it was tied to that lack of relationship that he had with the Lord, and uh, David was one. Again, he continually sought the Lord, and Saul didn't. And can I tell you this morning that insecurity at its root is tied to a deficient relationship with the Lord? Often when you and I, when we go through life insecure, allowing pride and jealousy and anger to rule our life, do you know the most common reason is because we're rejecting God's leadership in our life. We're not, listen, we're not finding our identity in Jesus Christ. I wasn't going to do this this morning, but now I am. 
do you know what? When you look at all of the problems in our culture today and how it is impacting Christianity, do you want to know why so many Christians are so easily impacted away from their faith? It's because they're trying to find their identity in something other than Jesus Christ. That's, that's what leads to all the sorts of sins that you see. It's because people try to find identity outside of who they are in Jesus. Try to find identity in my workplace or identity in this political uh, um, base that I have or my identity in, in this social issue. Or, and man, people try to find identity in all of those things. And insecurity, it's going to be rooted in the lack of finding identity in our relationship with the Lord. Man, that's why it's so uh, important for a believer to walk with God. Why? Because insecurity is tied to the lack of relationship. Lack of relationship with God. Saul's insecurity was tied to his lack of relationship that he had with the Lord. Secondly, Saul's insecurity was motivated by an excessive desire for the approval of people. You can take this and go all the way back to chapter number 14, and what do you find? You find Saul frustrated that Jonathan's getting credit and he's not. All the way back to chapter number uh, 11, you find Saul frustrated that Samuel is not there to uh, perform the ritual and he wants to perform the sacrifice and he wants the people to view him as this great leader. His insecurity was motivated by an excessive desire of the approval of people. I mean, why did he get so upset that Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his ten thousands? Why did he get so upset? Because he wanted the approval of others. He wanted the approval of others. If he wasn't number one, he got mad. Saul's insecurity was motivated by an excessive desire for the approval of people. You know what? When you and I work so hard to gain the approval of others, pretty soon we're going to distance ourselves from others. We're going to find ourselves literally being rejected because of our own insecurities. Saul was concerned about his image, his appearance, and his approval. Saul's insecurity, it controlled him emotionally. Third, his insecurity controlled him emotionally. I mean, how do you go from, listen, they're singing in verse number eight, a hypothetical song, Saul has slain his thousands, David has 10,000s. How do you get from that to Saul's spirit of what more could he have than the kingdom? I mean, they're, they're already attributing to him thousands more than me. What more could he have than the kingdom? You see what Saul is doing? He's, he's allowing circumstances to dictate his emotions. Why? Because of his insecurity. His insecurity controlled him emotionally. Notice lastly, right here, Saul's insecurity was demonstrated most clearly in private situations. You say, what do you mean by this, pastor? To the public... If you look and you go read chapter 18, 19, and 20, every time Saul appears with David in public, things are good. But when they get in private, that's when Saul's trying to kill him. In public, he's, he's, he's the general. In public, hey, let's send him to war. Kill 200 Philistines, chapter 18. Hey, let's take care of him, chapter 19. Hey, he's going to marry my daughter. I'm so excited about this. Middle of the chapter, he grabs his closest servants and says, we've got to find a way to get rid of this guy. Can I tell you this morning that who you are in public is not who you are? It's who you are in private. 
And Saul's insecurity, it was most demonstrated. It was demonstrated most clearly in private situations. I want us to see very quickly his insecurity. You know what it did? It controlled him spiritually, emotionally, and rationally. Everything he was doing was operated by a spirit of insecurity. That's an unexpected battle for David because now David is not only facing the Philistines, which will be his enemy for all of David's reign. Now he's facing an internal struggle because of someone's pride. I don't have time and we could just preach the whole point, but I'm not going to this morning. Pride, again, pride ruins so much in your life. It causes him to live that insecure, Saul to live insecure. And now David is in this unexpected battle. Can I just point out this morning that our insecurities, they do the same. When we allow pride, jealousy uh, to take root, then anger sets in and we, like Saul, begin to operate by the spirit of insecurity. We begin to uh, assume that we know the motives of other people. We begin to live off the approval of others and, and we begin to be two different people, one in private settings and one in public settings. And at the root of it, though, is, is insecurity. But at the root of that insecurity is a poor relationship with the Lord and insecurity Security will always affect us just like it affected David, or excuse me, just like it affected Saul. It'll affect us spiritually, emotionally, and rationally. It affects our decision making. It, uh, one man said it this way it demoralizes us and it devalues our life. When you and I live with insecurity, man, it takes away the value that God puts upon us. Why? Because we're trying to find identity in us or in others rather than in our relationship. Man, we need to live for the approval of Christ, live for the approval of one, serve for the audience of one, give for the audience of one, go to work this week for the audience of one. Why? I don't ever want to allow pride to set in because then insecurity is going to follow. And insecurity, man, it can ruin all of those things. It, it's, a, it's an unexpected battle then that we even bring upon ourselves. But I see this morning in David's life, he has this undeserved acceptance an unexpected battle, but lastly today, I want us to see where we're going to end, an unmatched preparation. An unmatched preparation as we look at the beginning of David's new battle. I want us to see what takes place before battle, and we'll see this very quickly, so you listen fast, and I'll speak fast, and we'll get out of here by one o'clock. <laughs> Notice the verses, if you will, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. We're not going to read them, but what takes place? David comes off of the battlefield. It would, we would assume at the end of chapter number 17 that there's this uh, um, conversation taking place. David with Saul and Saul's closest counselors. And because of this conversation, we read in chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, that God would knit the heart of Jonathan to David. God would literally do this. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 18. It came to pass when when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, David speaks to Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So here's what's taking place is Jonathan, he's listening to this conversation and, and he's hearing, he doesn't know much about David, he hasn't met him, he doesn't know who he is, but he's hearing this conversation between Saul and, and David and, and all of this uh, recounting and of course everything taking place, but what happens is that God ties the heart of David to the heart of Jonathan. God says, hey, this is a friendship that I am putting together. Now, what would be the um, commonality, if you will? What would be the ground for their friendship? 
If you go and do a little bit of the research, which I've done this week, you'll find that it's their common relationship with God. Jonathan and David, just about every time they speak to each other, they speak to each other about God. They speak to each other about Jehovah God. Hey, hey, let's do this because God's in control. Hey, I'm with you. God is with you. Hey, uh, God is in control of this. Just time and time again, their friendship is built around the common ground of God. That's a great reason to build a friendship. That's a great reason. I, I understand today that that's probably the reason of most of our friendships in church. What brings a church together? What brings somebody maybe who is uh, um, struggling with life and somebody who's not had many struggles, what brings them together? The commonality of God. What brings the school teacher and the flunky together? Man, it's God. What brings the ex-con and the, uh, the guard together? Man, it's something that only God can do. Why? The commonality of God, it ties friendships together. And that's what we see taking place in 1 Samuel chapter number 18. God brings into David's life a friendship that was established by the Lord, a friendship established by the Lord. This is one that God would knit their hearts together, and it's one that we're going to see in just a moment that God would use in David's life. As a matter of fact, something takes place in 1 Samuel chapter number 18, verses 3 and 4, that we don't see taking place in many other spots in, in Scripture. Jonathan. Jonathan should be the one who's intimidated by David. Why? Because Jonathan should be in line to be the next king. Jonathan's the oldest of Saul's sons. Jonathan is the general. Jonathan is the one that won the battle in chapter 14. Jonathan should be getting the promotion. Jonathan should be getting all of these things that are going to David. And yet, what do we find Jonathan doing? Jonathan, the prince, takes off his princely robe and gives it to David. Jonathan, the prince, takes off his prince sword, a costly sword. Remember chapter 14, not many people had swords. He takes that off and gives it to David. He takes off basically everything he has all the way down to just his undergarments, and he's there, and he says, hey, this is all yours. That under robe is all he's wearing that's left. He says, hey, David, none of this is mine. This all goes to you. Man, David, Jonathan loved David just like he loved his own heart. Well, why, why would that be? That's something that only God can do. I want us to see that's a God-brought relate, God-brought friendship. But I want you to see, secondly, very quickly, in verse number 27, 28, and 29, a God-brought relationship. This is the passage where David is challenged to go out and kill 200 Philistines. So he does. He gets back, and he gets to marry Saul's daughter. Remember I said son earlier? It's not. It's a daughter, just so you know. And her name is Michael, M-I-C-H-A-L, or we might say Michelle. Maybe that would be the English version of that. David gets to marry her. And I want you to notice what the Bible says at the end of verse number 28. When it says, let me turn there and make sure it's the right verse. Verse 28, Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael's daughter Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Man, Saul, after they got married, he's like, man, God's with him, and now my daughter is too. My son's loyal to him. My daughter's loyal to him. God is with him, and Saul hated it more. Why? Because this was a relationship that was established by God. God would bring Michael 
into David's life. Now, here's what takes place and we're done. Chapter 19, Saul's trying to kill David. Do you know who save? You know who saves David's life in chapter 19? Michael. She says, hey, my, my dad's out to kill you. You need to leave tonight. You need to get out tonight. Don't worry, I'll, I'll cover for you. And David goes out through a window and Michael goes in the bedroom and she uh, puts on the bed pillows in the blankets and make it look like he's asleep and puts uh, hair, camel's hair, uh, I think it's camel's hair up there on, his, on the pillow to make it look like David's in bed. And dad comes and, and they say, where's, where's he at? Oh, he's sick. He can't come out. Well, we're, just go in there, Saul says. Go in there and get him. And they go in there and to try to kill David and he's gone. What, what was Michael doing? Michael was, God was using Michael to protect David. David didn't know that they were coming that night, but she did. God used her. Who does God use in chapter number 20? Jonathan. God uses Jonathan to protect David. And you can go, and I would encourage you, go and read chapters 18, 19, and 20 today, and you'll see what I'm saying to be true. God uses Jonathan to protect David, the one who should have been the prince, the one who should have been uh, in charge, and God would use, God would use Jonathan to protect David. You can see it in 1 Samuel 19, uh, verses uh, 7 through 10. Excuse me, chapter 20 is where we're at. I just got a lot of verses here, so we're just going to skip all that. When you look at these verses, when you, or when you look at these passages, you can find that uh, God bringing, and this is what we're going to get to, God bringing just what David needed, even before he knew he needed it. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Jonathan and David become friends before the battle. Before David is really running for his life, Jonathan becomes his best friend. Jonathan and Michael, they get married before the battle really takes place. That's something that God did. You see, God established a friendship and he established a relationship just when David would need it, but even before it. Now, let me say this morning, when you and I face our battles, when you face your struggles, when you face challenges in your life, if you and I would just stop and look around, oftentimes we'll realize that God brings us just what we need before we even needed it. And there's gonna be times in our life when God will bring into your life a strategic relationship. It may be a friend, it may be a coworker, it may be a, a church friend. Uh, Lord willing, hopefully it is your spouse and the one you're spending your life with that before you face a battle, God brought somebody to you that says, hey, I am with you, hey, I am here for you. And I hope that you can look around and see those friendships and see those relationships. But even more than that, oftentimes God just brings people into our lives right when we need them. Every one of us, if you've known the Lord for any length of time, you could probably say, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that friend, yeah, that loved one. Yeah, man, God did, boy, that stranger, God knew I needed some encouragement and that person gave it to me. What's behind all of that? God is behind all of that. He's behind giving us what we need even before we need it. And the truth is this morning that God's preparation is incomparable. He always brings just what we need right when we need it. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, 
please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.